Hello and welcome to another episode of the Philosophy Guy podcast. Brendan Weber here, your host, and today we are going to talk about Rick and Morty again. And but today's episode is going to be on the psychology of Rick. So, asking the question: Is Rick destined to be miserable because of his intelligence? And can being smart make you miserable? But before that, and before you fast forward through my self-advertisement, you might want to listen to today's announcement. Uh, So basically, would you like to kind of help out the show and receive a free book sent to you? Um, So this this isn't my typical self-advertisement. That's why I said you, you might want to listen in. It's more of a kind of an announcement for the podcast that I'm doing. So I'm, I'm doing another book giveaway, I guess. And, and this is kind of an advertisement, I guess you could say, though, since I'm trying to help promote this show. But anyway, it's an opportunity for you to support the show and get something in return. So with this book giveaway or multiple book giveaway, I should say, it's uh, basically any book you like dealing with philosophy, psychology, or ideas in general. And I'll send out a list to those who enter um, of possible ideas that I'd recommend. But you can enter one way by doing something like last time I did this, sending me a picture by email, which is in the description below, of your rating or review of the show. That will get you uh, one entry. You can also get another entry by signing up for our uh, new community newsletter, which that link is also below as well. And that newsletter is to kind of help build the community here and communicate about the podcast and also present some of the bonus content that uh, I've been doing and formulating in more of a, a writing format. And I've been using the Medium platform to do that. And I've called the publication a Philosopher's Stone. So you can go check that out in the links below. And another way you can uh, kind of further support the show in more tangible ways and earn another entry is by supporting me on Patreon. And supporting at any level on Patreon will earn you another entry into the book giveaway contest. So you can... Do one of those or all of them. Doing one will earn you one entry, and doing all three, you can earn uh, three entries. So anyway, uh, thanks for kind of listening to that little spiel. I know it can get boring, but uh, anyway, it helps support the show. But let's get back to the psychology of Rick. So what do some of history's most famous minds all have in common? Besides high levels of intelligence, of course, as we know, a good standard for being a a famous mind, I guess you could say, or a brilliant thinker, you probably needed a, a good amount of intelligence. But what about thinkers like Isaac Newton, Alan Turing, Charles Darwin, Winston Churchill, even Sigmund Freud in some regards, what do they share? Well, they share what is described in Western medicine as a mental illness. And thanks to Justin Roiland and Dan Harmon of the writer or creators of Rick and Morty, we have another thinker to add to the list. The mad scientist Rick Sanchez, the booze-guzzling nihilistic mad scientist of Rick and Morty. So to help kind of put this into perspective of why Rick is the way he is, 
we have to understand the character Rick is. See, in a way, he's, he's an embodiment of the chaos of our universe. See, Rick's mind, his perspective is open to the truth in the world, which we'll obviously get into that, but his loathing of himself is, is always within reach in a way. And the key for the show and the, the likability of the character is in the fact it's identifiable. The show makes it apparent that Rick is in this constant state of existential crisis. And I think creator Dan Harmon might have put it best in how Rick is relatable and about Rick himself. See, when, so he says, when you are standing in line at, the, at that bank sometimes, you always feel like none of these people understand what a hurry I'm in, how much crap I have to do today, what I'm up against. We've all been Rick. See, now, I also think a lot of us relate to his, his self-loathing and destructive behavior in a way. We see this in part with his constant fart jokes, uh, mutilating aliens, blowing stuff up, shaming Jerry and mocking Morty. We even see that Rick is he's practically omnipotent with the power to invent, transform, and destroy his way into getting whatever he wants. Yet despite this power, he's miserable, and it's uh, he's observably miserable in the show. To many viewers in the audience, it feels real to them. It's, it's identifiable to them, this trait of Rick. It connects with them. None of us are as smart as Rick, though, but he's still relatable. His pain is, is what's relatable about the character. So considering the fact that roughly 1 in 11 people meet the standard of clinical depression at some point during their lifetimes... Pain is a, is a pretty relatable thing in society today, unfortunately. But the question Rick and Morty helps raise is, is it that being a genius makes us more likely to be depressed? If this fact is true, is it a matter of nature or nurture? Kind of that famously debated question in psychology. You see, Rick, he, he has an obvious hyperinflated ego, anger issues. He obviously has superior intelligence and is, is very self-aware about this. But all of this behavior overshadows a key mental mindset of Rick, his depression, his obvious depression at times where, where we know his, his go-to catchphrase, wubba-lubba-dub-dub means, I'm in great pain, please help. Or his, his real suicide attempt that we witnessed in season two, Even though Rick is seemingly unstoppable, his inner demons are what cause him the most trouble. Just kind of, which I would say is what what causes great trouble for most people that face depression. It's their own inner demons. See, now the relationship between intelligence and mental illness has been, it's been highly debated by scientists for years. So on one hand, we have to consider if the stereotype of the, the mad scientist or tortured artist is overblown, considering that tragedy, depression, you know, having something to overcome is used as an essential plot point in, in Hollywood. For something to be entertainment, it needs a, a little drama, right? Something to, to make it more spicy, something to make it engaging, something to, to keep you waiting for what will happen next. 
you know, like for example, with Netflix, you have to you have to find a way to get the viewer to want to keep hitting next. And how do you do that? You have to witness the characters overcoming something. You have to witness their inner tor- turmoil. You have to make them connect with the audience. So Hollywood inevitably is going to overblow this. But is it truly overblown is a is a question I think we should consider. So considering how much this idea is woven into our popular culture, I think it's reasonable to wonder if Hollywood is is blowing this idea of a troubled genius out of proportion. So one reason I think this idea is so engaging for an audience is the fact, for one, we like to see people overcome things. And two, when a really smart character starts from the bottom and works their way up to overcome something, it resonates with an audience. They see themselves in that character. They see you know, that, that they could be them reaching the top someday. And even in the case with Rick, you know, if he's always kind of beating the odds or defeating everyone, we still witness that inner turmoil in the show and the evolution of the seasons. So it connects with us still. So the question is, though, is Rick and Morty saying that being depressed is a prerequisite for having creative success? Well, recently, so so Dr. Ruth uh, Karpaninsky, and I apologize to, to her if I pronounced her name wrong, and her colleagues, they published research that examined the link between intellectual giftedness and mental illness. Her uh, term, her study surveyed high IQ people, those who have scored in the top 2% on a standard uh, standardized IQ test and asked the individuals whether they were currently experiencing some form of mental illness. And the, the results are kind of, they're very interesting. More than a third of respondents reported either having been diagnosed with depression or sus- uh, suspecting that they had the condition. Now, kind of to put this in perspective and kind of unpack that, that's five times greater than the estimated, estimated national average of depression for a single year. However, this is, this is only one study that I found, and you know I think the evidence is interesting at the very least in this one study. So thinking about that, it it's kind of makes sense. We know that overly smart people tend to over-contemplate things, especially bad stuff. That contemplate, contemplation, although it's, it's good to do and we need more people to do so, it can also lead us into dark places within our own minds the dark voids placed in our mind. But we have to consider something else here. The top 2% on the IQ test, that's a level of genius. Maybe not Rick genius, but, but real life genius. We have some other research on happiness and intelligence that has kind of drawn a different conclusion about this though. For example, researchers in the UK found that IQ positively correlates with self-reported measures of happiness which that makes sense. Higher IQ has been positively correlated with being more likely to have better income and health. So I guess you could say, to some extent, money does buy happiness, which both happens to be correlated with being more likely to be happy. So that seems all well and good, right? Some, some counter evidence to that, that first research report I mentioned. But not so fast exactly. See, This assessment only looked at IQ scores 
that correlated with up to a 129. So 129 is superior intelligence, but it isn't super genius level intelligence that the first study analyzed. Based on this study, those few extra intelligence points makes a hell of a difference in determining your your mental mindset and your likelihood of suffering depression. Although I should also note that IQ, you know, the IQ test It doesn't exactly account for the creative genius side of things, the creative artist, the creative writer, an artist of some sort that is that is well beyond the average is a it's a special kind of genius in a way that a a standardized test will always have trouble accounting for. See, one thing found in creative types, and we have some research to back this up as well, is a connection between depression and alcoholism. So this would be fitting for Rick, of course, who has an alcoholism alcohol problem in the show. But the research found that creative types have a certain level of vulnerability to them, a certain stimuli into their consciousness that is correlated with making you more creative, but more susceptible to developing mental illness. See, it's even particularly strong amongst writers. Again, though, this criteria for creativity, what is genius creativity is hard to measure. So it's kind of hard to study in a way. So at what level of creative ability do you need to be at to be considered a creative super genius? Although with Rick and Morty, Rick and Morty's take on the connection with Rick himself, it seems to be following along with the research we have so far. And something I find identifiable with Rick and others feeling of despair and depression is the, is his feeling of hopelessness that comes from wondering whether life is ultimately meaningless. This can be understandably hard to grapple with, right? But let's transition this, the, the conversation a little bit. Allow us to take this kind of hotly debated topic of psychology further of the nature versus nurture. See, Beth, Rick's daughter, of course, She's become aware of the nuances in her relationship with Rick more so. She's become more self-aware of it, I guess. And how it may or kind of may not be tearing her family apart. I mean, in season three, we witnessed her wanting to take her family to therapy. And that's where we get the famous Pickle Rick. And Beth is beginning to realize that Rick is kind of a shitty person. Surprise, surprise, right? (laughs) She also realizes something else. She's a lot like him. Like, a lot, a lot. I mean, look how much she hates on Jerry, like Rick does, for example. Plus, considering the fact that that Rick was mostly non-existent during her childhood, at least from what we know about the show, it seems this is exactly a learned... Sorry, isn't exactly a learned trait. As we know from research that, that adolescence, your teenage years, early adulthood, those years are essential times in forming your personality and your character. So is the show saying her her similarities with Rick are a product of her shared genetics? We don't yet know how much or fully, I should say, of how genetics plays a role. But at the very least, we know it has a major effect. For example... If depression runs in the family where it has become kind of this identifiable trait through generation and generation, 
you're going to be more likely to have depression because of that genetic trait. Although this doesn't mean that you will have that trait. The key point, I think, there is... This also means that if you have no history of depression, that doesn't mean you are all in the clear, I guess you could say. So to give the kind of the short and sweet version without having to go diving deep into the science behind it of the debate of nature versus nurture, at this point, it's, it's an obvious mix of both. We just don't know really which one plays a larger role, I guess you could say. And maybe we never will. But this leads to, into another point of the discussion. So we've covered mental illness. What about intelligence? Well, like depression, we know that intelligence is largely determined by your DNA. Although environmental factors, parenting, nutrition, they play a large role as well. We even have gene sequences that are thought to be directly correlated with intelligence. So maybe we will have to to have an episode on the ethics of genetically modified babies in a future date. But the point is that the science kind of shows that, you know, genetics plays a large role in intelligence as well. But let's kind of bring it back to Rick himself. So at this point, we kind of know what the science says, right? But does this provide an excuse for Rick being a dick? Just because he's exceptionally intelligent, from traditional society sense at least, Rick is an oddball. Look how much him and Jerry butt heads. I think Jerry can kind of represent the average citizen in society for us. Maybe maybe even below average. But Jerry sees Rick as crazy, unorthodox, out of the norm. You could argue that Rick's behavior and some behavior associated with high intelligence, such as sensitivity, intensity, and being kind of overexcitable, all of which Rick shows in almost every episode, have been mischaracterized as a sign of mental illness. So part of Rick's behaviors might be misunderstood, I guess you could say. But I think it's more likely that this misunderstanding has transformed his mindset into the asshole he is in the current state of the show. Although we we don't know really anything about Rick's childhood, which which would would play an essential role in determining who Rick is and, and why he acts the way he does in his current state... We, we don't have that yet, or the show hasn't touched upon it yet. But before I wrap up this episode, I do want to provide some crit- critique of Rick. I feel like I was just giving him excuses for his asshole behavior based on what psychology says. See, Rick emulates this ethical and moral excuse for being a piece of shit, essentially. You could call it the I'm a piece of shit excuse. I am the way I am. I can't change. You know, that excuse. Blah, 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 blah. Using the excuse as though it's it ethically absolves you from responsibility in some way. Now, in the case of Rick, he might be aware of this. Actually, he probably is aware of this, and he just doesn't care. That's kind of who Rick is. But I do think it's a, it's a common defense nowadays in traditional, in regular, real-life society. And it's not a good one. Consider this. How often have men, confronted by their partners for a failure to meet the, the simplest of interpersonal expectations, thrown their hands up and been like, yep, you right, I'm a piece of shit, bye. I am who I am, yada, yada, yada. Therefore, I'm absolved from all, basically, ethical pull, right? You see, it's easier to act like a victim of their own personality 
and vanish than to correct the course or even accept help. You know, you got to protect your masculinity, right? The inward criticism acts as a protective armor. It preempts the the outside analysis that we look to avoid. As though saying, you think I don't realize that? Saying that you don't think I... When they admit that they have a problem as though that makes their actions and attitude any better. Or for some reason, ethically and morally absolves them from responsibility for their actions. As though... Staring into the shitty abyss and being fucking I'm a piece of shit makes you achieve woke status in some way. So if you act this way, I think society will soon provide you a reality check. So basically what I'm trying to say is don't take up the mantle of being or emulating the the complete psychology of Rick. Maybe think like him, which I've done a very recent episode on doing that thinking like Rick on the scientific side. But don't try to be him on the psychological side, I guess you could say, if that makes sense. But don't get me wrong. I love Rick and Morty, and I love watching Rick. I, Rick's a, he's a great character. I just think that some much-needed counter, or, or, we needed some much-needed counterpoints because we need to remember and consider some meta-commentary. If Rick were to stop diagnosing himself, start considering his inner demons, seeking help, the show would cease to exist. It would stop being Rick and Morty. So let Rick be Rick, but don't allow Rick to be an excuse for your shitty behavior. But kind of to sum up what we've discussed on the psychology side of the episode, essentially, highly intelligent people are prone to depression, in large part because they view the world in a different light. They see it more for what it is. But they can also use this creative and unique mindset, being smart, and intelligent to leverage high-paying jobs that help you avoid the stresses of poverty. So as a group, being highly intelligent makes it more likely that you will be happy. So that's kind of the psychology of Rick and Morty and the psychology of Rick. But I'd like to say thanks for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and review, and tune in next time. Peace.